0: And I'm going to invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 11, page 1925, in the blue Bibles there. <clears throat> so we're going to look at that phrase as I just shared with the children. Uh, That portion of the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. And so our call to worship and opening hymn, kind of the theme around the kingdom and worshiping the king. Here's a picture of something that will happen one day when the kingdom of God uh, comes fully, finally and forever. And so this is Revelation chapter 11, beginning verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever and the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small. And for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake and a severe hailstorm. A day yet to come. Let's pray. Lord, we pray with the children throughout the day and throughout the week, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. And then we read this portion of your word. And it fills us with wonder, with awe, perhaps with some trembling. The glory of your coming kingdom one day and the severity of it for those that wish not to have a king, wish to be king of their own lives, queen of their own lives. And so give to us a reverent sense of your presence as we study now. May we hallow your name and recognize the honor and glory and holiness of your name as we study. And may the words of this prayer that is so dear to us Come alive in a new and fresh way as we reflect together now. So come Holy Spirit, be our teacher as we pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. I had an aha moment of sorts thinking about the Lord's Prayer and this petition, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth. Why has politics and elections become so polarizing and so dominant, It like dominates our society, right? And so I think I had an aha moment of why that is, and you're going to be glad you came to church today. (laughs) Because I'm going to answer that question for you, okay? I mean, we observe that, right? We observe... You know, it kind of calms down a little bit. You know, we're out of the election season. But why is it that politics and elections are so polarizing and dominant and it seems so intense in our society? he said, ah, an election is a secular expression of thy kingdom come. I'm going to need you to work with me, okay? Hold that right there. The issues that we face as voters reveal our aspirations and our longings and desires, right? And the issues are the same from election season to election season, right? There's something about the economy that's gonna be in front of us. And so it's jobs and it's taxes and it's unemployment and, and the like, you know, the stock market. So all the stuff around the economy, but ultimately what that's about, we're wanting secure lives. (laughs) And we don't sense, and and, and I, I want a secure life for myself and my loved ones, and I'm okay if your life is secure too. And so, all the issues around in an election around the economy are really an expression of a deep need and longing for security. In recent years. There's been a lot of discussion around diversity and equity and inclusion and access for those who've been maybe on the margins of society, that they have access and empowerment and the like. These are concerns of justice. We want a well-ordered world where everybody has a fair shake and a fair chance. And I want a fair shake and a fair chance and I don't care if you have a fair, I want you to have one too. And so it's an, it's an expression of some deep longing that we want things to work and to be fair in society. Foreign policy, right? There's always something about foreign policy and trade and diplomacy and terrorism. And, and what that is really is it'd be okay if like there was peace among the nations. I wouldn't mind that if there was peace among the nations. And my guess is you probably wouldn't mind that either. And then issues of healthcare and prescriptions and, you know, we've been through a pandemic, you know, and vaccines and genetics and all this stuff. It's the, it's the human desire to be healthy, to live. We want to live and it's, it's an expression of our wrestling with the reality of death at some level. I could go on <clears throat> elections are a gathering point every couple of years there's a gathering point for our society where the deepest longings of our heart and of our lives find expression and we're looking for someone to put the world right someone to answer the economic and the, 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 the diplomacy and all these other issues. We want to elect somebody who's gonna fix it to put the world right. And so an election is an expression of our deepest longings for security and justice and well-being and, and peace and wholeness, not only for my life and my loved ones and, and my friends, but really, I think most of us would be happy if everybody had that same thing. And so a political expression or an election is a secular way of trying to bring in the state of affairs that our Bible calls the kingdom of God, which is about the well-being of the human family, the health of society, uh, community relations are strong, uh, the relationships between different peoples and, and nations is, it goes well. The nations aren't Angry, as the passage says here. And so it's an inescapable reality of the human condition. It it plays out in all of our lives and it plays out then in our uh, social lives through these things called politics and elections. It's an inescapable reality of the human condition. We all know that we were made for something more and something better something nobler and something grander than we see right now. We just know that it can be better than it is. We all know that the world can be, should be better and that something needs to change. And so the election process is a way of saying, well, here's how we think it should change. How do we get there? Is it gonna be about political power? If we elect the, the perfect person, well, they'll, they'll get us there, right? Huh. Now, Jesus teaches his followers to pray, which is a way that shapes us and trains us as we've talked about these last couple weeks. Our Father, it's a way of reminding us That life is about a relationship with God, our our Father, the one who created us and loves us, and a relationship with others, our Father who art in heaven. Your name is honored. Your name is holy. Your name is special. As we talked last week, God pulls us into a larger world. The prayer reminds us that it's about God mostly, not about me and you. God is the main character in this thing we call life. We forget that. And so the prayer that Jesus teaches his followers keeps us grounded that it's about God, it's about each other, and God is the main character in the drama even of my own life. Now we come to thy kingdom come. And so this pulls us into the reality of the human condition that we're made for something more. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not yet here on earth. And so we're praying, Lord, it's not working here. Come, bring heaven down. And so we look around and we see pain, we see injustice, we see poverty, we see oppression, we see disease, we see death, we see war, and a thousand other things like that. And we just know that's not the way it's supposed to be. The question is, what do we do? How do we live in light of all that's broken in the world? How do we help what's broken in the world? And the world says, power, politics, go get it. And Jesus says, let's start by praying. Is it politics or prayer? The first best response when we see the world not as we think it should be and our hearts are are, are wanting it to be different, the first best response is don't, don't run to the ballot box. We got to get there eventually maybe, but, but, but let's pray. And so in the petition, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Jesus enlists his people. He lists us as partners in the rebuilding of the world in the redemption and restoration of this world. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we are calling God to intervene. We are calling God to act. Do something, God, to set things right. It's beyond us right now. And God says, well, tell you what, Jesus says, I'm going to enlist you as partners in this work. There's something wonderfully subversive about this prayer it undermines us it trips us up but we go oh I didn't see that happening when we look at the world and all that needs fixing the tendency is now, now it might not be true for you but you might have a friend so I'll just keep talking okay the tendency is when we look at the world we think the problem is with the other guy because I mean hey, not my I mean I'm, I've got my life together If only all those other people would do what they're supposed to do, the world would be right. And so the tendency is to think that the problems are out there. If God would only take care of all those other knuckleheads, those bad guys and bullies, those darn Republicans or Democrats, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, terrorists or tyrants all the people I don't like who vote differently and look differently and behave differently than I do if God would only take care of all those people then the kingdom would be here and so here's where Jesus snookers us in this prayer I think when we pray thy kingdom come we're asking God to overthrow the kingdoms of this world how how does the scripture say it here The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. Cue the hallelujah chorus right now. You know this is in the hallelujah chorus that we love. And so what we forget that when we pray for thy kingdom come that there's another kingdom that needs to be overthrown. The kingdom of self, the kingdom of me, <laughs> the kingdom where I like to be in charge of, of things. We don't pay attention that we think thy kingdom come means fix all those things. And Jesus is saying, I'm gonna get you praying and let's start with the one kingdom that you actually might have some influence on. <laughs> and that's the kingdom of self. The truth of the matter is that most of the real problems and challenges that I face and you face, most of them, not all of them, but most of the problems that I face in my life and have ever faced are not because of things that other people have done. It's because of things I have done or failed to do. My pride, my attitude, my actions, my word, my reactions to The words of others, my overreactions to the actions of others, my failure to express faith and hope and love as I should, my failure to trust God and to hallow his name and to honor his people, to do what Jesus said. Because in the kingdom of self, it is not thy will be done, what is it? my will be done, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth. And I probably don't care that much about heaven. (laughs) And in case you haven't noticed, the kingdom of self is quite heavily defended territory. Just go suggest to a loved one or another person, you know, here's what I think you should do. And they go, why, thank you for bringing such wisdom into my life. I will alter all of my attitudes according to the way you have spoken to me. Is that how it goes? Parents with children, is that how it goes? Wives with your husbands, is that how it goes? So when we pray thy kingdom come, we are praying that all things on earth, come under the influence of heaven. All things, all people. It's a big prayer. We're praying that all things come under the influence of God and the reign and the rule of God, that the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of self would become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Messiah and that that God and that Messiah would reign forever in my life and in all of life. It's a prayer that asks the world to be shaped and ordered by God, that everything would unfold as God intends. And that includes my life, my relationships, my motives, my actions, my time, and the way I spend my money and the choices I make and the desires that I have. And so, uh, the the Lord's Prayer shows up in Matthew's. uh, gospel and shows up in Luke's gospel and in both before you get to the Lord's prayer you have to run through the Beatitudes which tells us what the kingdom is like and it's just so different blessed are the meek no 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 God, Jesus it, it, blessed are the strong and the powerful and those who push people around and get what they want blessed are the merciful nah, you know blessed are those who know how to even the score Blessed are the pure in heart. What purity and heart got anything to do with life? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm, I don't know about that. Blessed are the peacemakers. As if before we get to the Lord's prayer, Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God is not the way the does not organize the way the world organizes. So. So the kingdom of the world has to go through this kind of severe, violent encounter, and that's what this passage in Revelation is telling us. The nations were angry. And so here's where the second part of the petition comes in. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The prayer confronts this prayer confronts us with a hard truth that we all know but often forget or ignore that God's will is mostly resisted and rejected and resented by people on earth and that includes us God's will is resisted or, or just flat out rejected and certainly resented How dare God tell me how I'm supposed to live my life? And so Jesus wants us to reckon with this reality every time we say the prayer. When you pray, say this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so it's a a petition that draws us back into the story. It draws us back to the beginning of the story. It draws us back to the garden where God clearly and openly and graciously revealed his will to the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. You may eat of any tree in the garden. It's all yours. Look over here and over here. It's all yours. Hey, there's this one tree in the middle of the garden that I don't want you. You got to trust me on this one, guys. Don't go there. And so, that fatal act that we read about in Genesis chapter 3, where the man and the woman took of the fruit that they ought not have taken, and they took to themselves this we will be the ones who determine right and wrong, we will be the ones who determine good and evil, because that's what's happening in that act. And so, the will of God is resisted, it is rejected, and it comes to be resented. And so Adam and Eve chose not to honor God's will or his name and his wishes and his purposes. And so from that point on the battle of wills between heaven and earth uh, uh, was engaged. (laughs) Is it thy will be done or my will be done? And so the Lord's Prayer keeps this reality in front of us that each of us prefers our own will to the will of God. And again, Jesus subverts us, he enlists us in this great project of reclaiming and, and rejoicing of the will of God on earth. He invites us in by praying, thy will be done on earth, oh, wait a second, wait a second, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I... and so Jesus snookers us once again. He pulls us out of our small and petty and willful controlling lives into an expansive world that is going to be much better. It is better to do the will of God than our own will. But what ends up happening here in this prayer is Jesus uses the prayer that we voluntarily speak to help bend our will to the will of God. God, help me to want the things you want for me. Help me to will the things that you have willed for me. Shape my heart, bend my heart, mold my heart into something that desires what you desire for my life. And so every time we pray, thy will be done on earth, it invites me to consider and to seek and to understand what does God want for my life? What is God's will for my life? And that draws us back to these scriptures and back to the teaching and example of our Lord. Every time we pray, Thy will be done, Jesus is inviting us to lay aside our own will, my will, my need to be in charge and to trust in one who is control and one who knows better, who works all things, All things for our good every time we pray thy will be done he invites us to trust him Jesus is inviting us to trust the one whose name is hallowed whose name is holy the one who is much wiser (laughs) the one who was and is and is to come the great I am that God sees things in my life that I have yet to see. He sees how what's happening today is going to connect uh, to something tomorrow and how something from the past connects to something today that will connect to something to tomorrow. And I can't figure all that out. And so, hallowed be thy name. Lord, you, you're, you're doing something I can't see. And so may your will be done, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth in my life and around my life. And so every time we pray, thy will be done, Jesus is inviting us to trust the one whose heart is good. God's heart is good, people. Again, the angry nations, <laughs> and the world doesn't want any of that. We don't want God. But the people of God, we want that. And we know that God's heart is good. But ultimately, Jesus, in teaching his disciples to pray, was preparing them for something that they had not yet seen, but they did eventually see. Jesus invites us to trust the one who embodied the will of God, Jesus, the the living word made flesh, who said to his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. What? And Jesus invites them and us to trust him the one who knelt in Gethsemane and we know what he said there father if there's any other way for this cup to pass this cup if there's any other way for this cup to pass let it be so he knew the pain of the cross he he anticipated he knew what that was gonna be that that moment of separation my god my god why have you forsaken me as he takes on the sin of the world God, if there's any way this can pass, let it be so. But, what did he say? Not my will, but thy will be done. And so Jesus teaches them to pray something and then models in front of them a life fully submitted to the will of God that was willing to suffer and turn the other cheek and give the coat and walk the extra mile to be unjustly accused and to ultimately lay down his, his life. And so this is a great prayer. <laughs> I don't want you to stop praying the prayer because you might go, I don't know if I wanna pray all that. That's what it means. But we can't not pray this prayer, right? And I think this is at least a portion of, of what it means. Because on the cross, as Jesus laid down his life and did the will of the Father, the kingdom of God came to earth. Amen and amen. Lord, if it were only so easy to pray the prayer and then walk out and hunger and thirst for righteousness and love our neighbors, ourselves and to be merciful and meek (laughs) but it's not that easy because of our own willfulness and the world around us that encourages us in willfulness and a society through its elections and politics and a thousand other ways encourages us to desire our own will but lord we do want your will and we want your kingdom to come on earth in our homes with our children at our places of work and play here at a church and so we thank you for the honor and the joy of being enlisted in the great project that you are that you're doing of restoring this world and so father hear us as we pray in Jesus name and all God's people said amen can I invite you to